Amen. For God so loved the world, right? And praise the Lord for our Father's love. Thank you, Robert, for that beautiful song on this Father's Day. And take your Bible, if you would, tonight. Hopefully you grabbed a copy of the outline. And I know we took a few extra minutes tonight, but this is one of the most important weeks in the ministry of our church is Vacation Bible School. We don't just have this because we have nothing going on. And uh, we don't expend all this energy and, of course, all the resources to uh, put on this uh, Vacation Bible School. It is really, as we'll see tonight, something that's very dear to the Lord. And because it's dear to Him, it should be dear to us. And I I, I was kind of curious as I was thinking about the message, how many of you, by, by raising your hand, would say, I was saved as a child? Would you raise your hand out of curiosity? Keep your hand up for a second. And uh, not many hands here tonight were, ra- were saved as children. And uh, listen, I'll tell you this, I got saved when I was 20. The Bible talks about our life, and it, it, it mentions it in score. A score in the Bible is 20 years. And uh, when you think about it, it talks about three score. That would be 60 years. And then it says, of course, if God blesses three score and 10, 70 years, and, of course, some will live beyond that 70- or 80-year mark. But I, I thought to myself when I got saved, I got saved at the age of 20. And if God gives me three score, then really, I mean, I'm, I'm basically coming to the last year of that three score in my life. And, and the first score, the first 20, was wasted on the world. And when I got saved, I kind of said to the Lord in my heart, God, thank you for saving me, and I realized that a third of my life, if you give me three score, a third of my life was wasted, and I want to make every day count for the Lord. Now, again, I fail the Lord, but I I try my best to live a life that not only would be pleasing to the Lord, but would impact others around me, and I hope that's your heart, too. And so God led me to this message tonight, and if you're able to, let's stand for the reading of God's Word in Matthew chapter 19. And if you know anything about the gospel records, of course, uh, we see here we're towards the end of Matthew's gospel, and we know what takes place, of course, in the latter chapters of this uh, record of, of course, the life of Christ as Jesus goes to the cross and he gives his life for everyone so that we can have eternal life. And I love this thought about how that in, in the latter part of his time on this earth, Jesus still, with all that he knew, because he was God, all that he knew was coming, he still had an attention and a concern about children. And tonight's message is entitled, The Invitation or an Invitation to Children. And so look at the scriptures tonight with me. Chapter 19, beginning in verse number 13, the Bible says, Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Pray that you would bless your word in this coming week. Be with boys and girls, Lord, the world and the devil wants to steal their attention and their hearts. God, I pray that they would would believe, that they would understand, and that they would be saved before it's eternally too late. Lord, help us to 
focus on your son and how he dealt with children. And may we follow his example. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Thank you. When we look at this passage and we understand our Lord, there are, uh, of course, this is one of many what we would call invitations in the Bible. Uh, This is probably one of the favorite ones that I like to read about. Jesus here, if you look at the verses prior to this, Jesus had just finished teaching about marriage and divorce. Now again, we, we live in a world that is redefining things. And uh, we know that, that the world has redefined the home and marriage. So if we want to look at things in a proper perspective, we need to go back to the Bible and see what the Bible teaches about marriage and, of course, about divorce. Some of you would be surprised if you really search the Scriptures because divorce is not at all what you see in the Bible. And there are many aspects, but Jesus had just finished teaching on this, and as soon as he finished, he turns his attention to some little children. You see it kind of illustrated on the screen or on your, your outline tonight about how, again, Jesus, and of course we don't have any pictures of him, but we can depict how these little children are brought to Jesus uh, by their parents. And the reason for this is when you study it out in the Jewish tradition, what Jewish parents would do is they would bring their small children to the rabbi and they brought their children to him as the teacher. They highly respected, they knew that he had wisdom, understood the word of God, and they wanted him, the rabbi, to bless their children and to pray for their children. This is kind of similar to what we see today when parents would come and they would say, listen, we want to dedicate our children to the Lord. I remember all of our children, and of course our youngest is here tonight with us, when they were very little after they came into this world, my wife and I, where we were attending church, we brought them to the pastor and we dedicated our children back to the Lord. We find that in the Old Testament as that's what Hannah did with Samuel, was she realized because she had asked a child of the Lord, God blessed and gave her her prayer request. And so what she then said was, Lord, I understand that this child is a gift from you. And if you will help me, that we will raise this child for you. Think about it as parents. Look, I understand that that we are the ones that God used instrumentally to bring that child into this world. But we need to understand that God ultimately is the one that allows us. He's the giver of life. As God gives children, they are really his. We are just stewards or managers of those children. We are raising our children for him. I hope you understand that tonight and you understand that responsibility that God has given to you. See, these parents came to Jesus and as they come, something happens. We just read it. Jesus' disciples, now think about this. As these children come, as these parents bring their children to Jesus in the role of a rabbi, the disciples of the Lord rebuked them for bringing their children to Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We'll get into that tonight. But when they did that, when they rebuked those people, uh, parents for bringing their children, they did that because they felt like 
that the master's time, Jesus' time, was too valuable for him to be spending it with little children. Now, they didn't know Jesus very well because Jesus loves everyone, from the smallest of child to the oldest adult. And as a result of what they said to the parents who were bringing their children, Jesus then in turn rebukes his disciples for what they had said and really the spirit that they had. He rebuked them for their attitude regarding these children and he told them in no uncertain terms that little children were what the kingdom of heaven was really all about. That's what he told his disciples. You know, in other words, children are not a curse to be endured. Children really are a blessing to be enjoyed. The Bible says children are in heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. So the passage before us tonight really says something about children and about the Savior's invitation for them to come to him. But the message tonight is not just for children. It's really for all of us. It's for every one of us here tonight. And so I want to examine a few elements tonight as we are about to embark on this voyage with Jonah. And we're going to study the life of Jonah and all that God did in Jonah's life, which is still relevant to us today. See, listen, we are not uh, fleeing from the presence of the Lord, going maybe to another city, but oftentimes God asks us, like he did Jonah, to go somewhere, and instead of going in that direction, we choose to go in another direction. So let's look at three elements tonight about his invitation to children, and it begins with a word that teaches us about responsibility. See, when we think about children, responsibilities really are there for the parents and for the church. Uh, God is the one who has established the home. God is also the one that established the church in the New Testament. And so both of these have responsibilities towards children. Notice letter A, we are responsible for evangelizing our children. Jesus, when they, when they brought these children to him, you need to understand this. Jesus was not saving them. Jesus was really praying for them. He was blessing them. Just like when, when a parent comes, as I mentioned earlier, to dedicate a child to the Lord, that is not salvation. Salvation is when a person, no matter what age, realizes they're a sinner and that they need to be saved before it's eternally too late. That wasn't the case here. The parents brought the children to Jesus. They wanted Jesus to bless them. Jesus was not saving them, but what he was doing was he was going to bless them. See, the parents, and think about this, they cared enough about the spiritual condition of their children enough to bring their children to Jesus. What a great thing. When I look around the auditorium tonight, and I think of many in our church that cared enough to bring their children to Jesus. Now, he's not here with us physically, but he is here. The Bible says where we are gathered together in his name, he has promised to be there with us. And there's no greater thing that a parent can do than to bring their children to Jesus. A lot of parents who may not be churched, who may not be Christians, who may not be saved, might come and bring their children this week to vacation Bible school. Really, in a sense, what are they doing? They're bringing their children to Jesus. 
uh, they will meet with the Lord while they're here, just as these children in Matthew chapter number 19. Parents should do everything in their power, listen parents, to ensure that your children are exposed to the gospel, that they are exposed to the truth. I just told somebody the other day, if you think about this, God gives you children, and if you raise your children, here's what happens. Your children are at home in the morning, they get up, they're there for maybe an hour. Oftentimes, you're not with them. They might be eating breakfast, getting ready for school, or whatever it may be. Then they go off to school. They're at school for about eight hours. They are being influenced by teachers that may be teaching things that are not Bible. Uh, they're around friends that may not be living for the Lord or don't even know the Lord. They're around all types of influences that are not good for them. They're, matter of fact, they're just the opposite for them. Then they come home, and many times parents are doing this and children are doing this. You might sit down if you're still a family, and I would suggest that you have family meals, that you have time where you turn off and you leave the cell phones and you just sit down as a family and you talk. It's a novel thing. Uh, just, just ask your children, how was their day? Listen to them, talk to them. Hey, listen, your children are probably only being influenced by you as the parent for maybe an hour to two hours every day. But think about the other 22 hours. I mean, if you take out the amount of time that they sleep, okay, maybe the other 12 hours of the day. Who's influencing your children? Children come to church. And listen, the church should not take the place of the home. The church does not take the place of the parents. But as children come, they're in a class for an hour a week, maybe two hours a week. And again, you think about how many more hours there are and what or who is influencing your children. We have to understand someone is influencing your children. And we have a responsibility as parents, as the church, towards our children to make sure that they are hearing and being exposed to the truth. That means that we need to be bringing them to church on a consistent basis. Listen, if I was a parent, I'd be bringing my child every time the doors to the house of God are open. It means give your children an opportunity to be in Sunday school, to be in the connection groups on Wednesday night, to, to come this week for vacation Bible school. We have camps that the children, junior camp and teen camp this summer. Listen, whatever opportunity where your children will be exposed to the truth, that is a responsibility and an opportunity for not only the parents, but especially for the children. Think about this. When you think about evangelizing your children, that means praying for them. That means praying with them. My wife said the other day, we need to start praying more for our grandchildren to be saved. They're not our children. They're our children's children. But we want to be praying for their salvation. That means opening the Bible with your children at home, uh, reading the Word of God, uh, being, here. look here, mom and dads, I know it may seem awkward. Be open about your faith with, with the Lord. Talk to them about uh, what it means to be a Christian. Be consistent in your life as a believer. Say, I thought this was about the children. I told you this is for everyone. Your children need to see an example, and that example needs to be you, not the world. 
uh, Sunday school teachers and vacation Bible school workers uh, should share the gospel with them. A lot of times I'll tell our teachers, listen, make sure you work in. It doesn't have to be every class, but I've heard over the years so many that were saved at an early age in a Sunday school class, some Sunday school teacher that cared enough about them to ask them if they were saved or not. I think of many great uh, men that preached to thousands and saw many people come to Christ all because a Sunday school teacher loved them enough and understood their responsibility to evangelize those children. The primary responsibility for evangelizing the children uh, of the church rests upon the shoulders of mom and dad. Listen, on this Father's Day, uh, listen, every father ought to say, I'm going to be involved in evangelizing, making my, sure my children know the truth and that, that will change their lives as a result of taking that responsibility seriously. Not only are we responsible for evangelizing our children, we're responsible for, for educating our children, for bringing them to Jesus. These parents in this passage, they were telling their children that they saw something special in Jesus. Now certainly, there were probably no doubt some rabbis that were well noted in this day the days that Jesus walked on this earth. But the Bible says, never a man spake as this man. Such authority that Jesus had. I hope as an adult, as a parent, that you know there is something special about Jesus. So much so that you would educate your children to know him in a greater way. Christian parents should model their faith in Jesus. So that, listen... I really believe that parents are really the ones to blame for the generation coming up not knowing Jesus the way they should. We have a responsibility. Look, I want my children to love the Lord, to realize that Jesus is worth knowing, and we can talk to our children about our faith. And if listen, we can talk all we want, but if we do not live out our faith, our children will see our hypocrisy Children are not stupid. They will see right through our phony facade. They understand mom and dad genuinely love the Lord or mom and dad put on a big act. They come to church and they're just a stage actor. Listen, let's be genuine as we educate our children. Notice we also have a responsibility for encouraging our children. And I mentioned this earlier. When these parents in this particular passage when they came to Jesus with their children, think about this. They were encouraging their children to approach Jesus as well. See, a lot of people act like God is some distant thing, a distant person that you cannot know. But moms and dads, when you respond, when you approach the Lord, when you come at an invitation and you come and you kneel before God, what are you doing? You're giving a great example for your children to come to the Lord. Listen, God is not scary. He wants you to approach Him, and He wants your children to see you coming to Him as well. Encourage your children to seek the things of God. Teach your children to pray. I just happen to have here tonight the, uh, the roll sheet from this morning's children's church. I always love to read this, and I, I grabbed it, uh, and when we got back here this afternoon, and, 
and I love to read. And I wanted to share, a lot of times we think about children, you know, encourage your children to pray. As I was looking here, these are some of the requests. Ezekiel uh, prayed for his grandma's travel and mercy. Hey, listen, that's, that's a great thing for a child. Hey, I'm praying for my grandma to be safe when she travels. I'm praying for God's mercy. He said, pray for my grandpa's safety. Logan, I love this. Logan's still praying for a little sister. Way to go, Logan. Keep that prayer request going. Dad's out there listening right now. Listen, just, just help your son and, uh, and work things out there, all right? And uh, every time I tell Rogan that, he's like, that's not a good prayer request, all right? And, uh, and so here's uh, Amari is praying that, that her grandma would not be in pain. Here's a little child that understands. Grandma, is, she needs God's help. Uh, here's, a, here's a visiting child. A lot of times we have no idea the burdens that little children have. This prayer request from this visitor said, I'm praying that I would have good dreams. That means they've been having some bad ones. Luke here, he's praying for his dad to have a good day. Mom always is glad when dad has a good day. Belen, Belen's, she, her prayer request this morning is for her, her grandpa to be saved. Belen. How old is Belen? Three. You know, listen, a child doesn't just come up with that. That means there are parents at home that are bringing that to God in the presence of their children. Ezra, Ezra was praising God, where is he? For his new shoes. Did you get some new shoes? Listen, we think that some of this stuff is silly. That's big stuff for kids. You know, not every time does a kid get some new shoes. Uh, Gabby prayed for Grandpa's vision. She's praying for her Grandpa's vision. And there's a few others. I don't want to embarrass parents and uh, only Rogan. And so I, I'll just share those tonight. But listen, does that kind of give you an idea? By the way, that list, it's about that long every Sunday. Boys and girls understand. They, they have burdens. Look, as parents, let's encourage our children to pray. Let's encourage them to come to the altar during the service. Let's make the Bible a big part of their daily life. Let's involve them in church activities and the youth group and well, vacation Bible school. Let's expose them to everything that is of a godly nature that is available to them. And listen, when adults love the Lord, guess what that does? It encourages children to love the Lord. And so we need to understand in this invitation of Jesus to children that we have a responsibility. But notice, secondly, his invitation teaches a word about redemption. Now, we covered this a little bit this morning, but when we talk about redemption, we're talking about salvation. And as Jesus invites these children to come, notice, first of all, what does redemption imply? Well, children are being invited to come to Jesus. Why? Because they need a Savior. And, and the truth is, every one of us need a Savior. Children are sinners too. Look at these verses here, Psalm 58, 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. You might be thinking right now, wow, that's a life's verse for my child. <laughs> But understand, that is our sinful nature. That's the Adamic nature. The Bible says in Psalm 51, 5, David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. 
children, they are sinners, but children have an innocence, they still need salvation. And that's why parents must do all that they can to bring children to the Lord. Look, it's not your responsibility, mom and dad, listen, to save them. But it is your responsibility to bring them to the truth, to expose them to the Word of God. Uh, Paul told Timothy, from a child, we saw this morning, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, and it's the Scriptures that are, are, are help us, they, they enable us here to be, to be wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So redemption implies that children are sinners and they need a Savior. Notice also what does redemption involve? Well, when we think about redemption, any time that you get into a discussion with children about salvation, a lot of times people say, well, listen, how old, or a lot of times this term is used, the age of accountability. How many of you have heard that statement? Most, most people probably have. That statement comes up because a lot of times People think, well, how old can a child, or how young even, can a child be in order to be saved? Now, the Bible does not mention a specific age. It doesn't tell us an age of accountability. A child becomes accountable for his or her sins when they come to the place that they understand the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Now, for some, they understand it at an earlier age. Some, it may be later. Some could be three to four years of age. There's others that may be in their early teens or late teens before they really understand. Some children might even have some type of a handicap, a mental handicap. And listen, there are many times where a child like that may never understand, can never comprehend the matter of what is right and what is wrong and that they are a sinner. But to any child, especially if you're here tonight, if you understand that you are a sinner, then the truth is you need to be saved. And parents need to understand this, that children grow up quickly. Listen, this is a responsibility, as we mentioned, for parents. And you need to know as parents that they need a Savior, and you need to know uh, how to talk to them about the Lord. Tell them about Jesus from the day they were, bo they were born. Talk to them. Say, well, they're just a baby. Listen, they are really listening to what you are having to say as they get older. Talk to them every day about, about God and about how they can be saved at an early age. And when children come to you about salvation, do not put them off. Listen, that's the worst thing you can do is push your child away when they start asking you about the Lord. If they are inquisitive, then answer their questions. Ask them, and, and listen, don't lead your children. Ask them questions. Here's a couple that I, put, I wrote down. You can ask your child this, what does it mean to be saved? That's not a yes or no answer. What does it mean to be saved? Can you tell me? Or you could ask them, can you explain to me what sin is? That's a pretty good question. Because you do know that if they don't know what sin is, then they cannot be saved. Because they have no idea what they need to be saved from or why they need to be saved. Now, if they don't understand, and I mentioned this earlier in our little time together, if a child comes and they start asking you about the Lord and even about salvation, if they don't understand as you're talking to them, what are you to do? Keep praying for them. Keep talking to them about Jesus. And here's what I find is, Mom and dad, if you keep it in front of them, 
when they are ready, they will come to you. They'll, they'll come to you and say, uh, Mom, Dad, I think I'm ready to be saved. I'm ready to trust Christ as my Savior. What happens to children, people ask sometimes, if they die before they reach the proverbial age of accountability? That's a great question. Sometimes parents wonder about maybe a young child that's not old enough, that has not made a decision to put their faith in Christ. Well, the Bible gives us the answer. We find it in David's life, and it was really uh, on, the, on the heels of what David had done, what he should not have done. But when David's child died, the Bible records that David was convinced that his child was with the Lord. 2 Samuel 12, 23, he, he says these words, Now he is dead, wherefore I, should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. What is David saying? One day I'm going to see that child again. See, listen, God, you have to understand, because God is love, God would never send someone to a Christless eternity that never understood their need of salvation. Do you get that? Now, listen, understand that we are responsible that once we do know we're a sinner, then it's our choice to either accept Christ as our Savior or if we don't accept him, we reject him and we push him away. But see, God is not willing that any would perish. And so sometimes people ask that. And so we think about what does redemption imply? Well, a child is a sinner. They need to be saved. What does it involve? It involves us getting involved in their life. It involves us talking to them and praying for them and answering their questions and asking them questions. Notice letter C, what does redemption illustrate? Well, we go back to our passage. Jesus here uh, is approached by these parents that bring their children. The disciples are not happy about them coming. They feel like Jesus has better things to do. But listen, the whole matter of the children coming to Jesus was actually used by Jesus to illustrate to all of us the way that all believers must come to him. Now, if you have your Bible and you're there in Matthew 19, go back one chapter, go back to Matthew 18 with me, and look at a couple verses here, because we're, we're talking about what does redemption illustrate. So look at chapter 18, verse number 1. The Bible says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, uh, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And here they are, they're having this discussion. By the way, you have to understand how self-centered that question is. <laughs> they want to know who's going to be the greatest one, you know. Uh, that's, that's what Muhammad Ali's life was all about, was he thought he was the greatest. But listen, as they asked this question, Jesus didn't say, well, John, it's certainly you. You know, you're the one that they call the beloved. You're the one that leans on my breast. Well, Peter, it can't be you because you're always fouling out, making mistakes, you know, and Thomas, I don't know about you, Jesus didn't go through that. Matter of fact, he never said any of that. How did Jesus respond to their question, who's the greatest? Notice verse 2, Jesus called a little child unto him. <laughs> you know, there was a side of Jesus that I really loved. Because here's the disciples kind of arguing among themselves, it's got to be me, it's got to be me. And Jesus grabs a little child, and he brought the child unto them in the midst of them. Verse 3, and he said, this is directed to them, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become, notice, he didn't say become little children. 
He says you become as little children. Everybody see that? Verse number four, he said, or verse number three, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself. Boy, you ought to underline that in your Bible. Humble himself as this little child. The same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive such a one, such a little child, in my name receiveth me. Whoa. That was directed to the disciples who said, listen, uh, these people just need to leave you alone. And Jesus said, no, no, that they need to come to me. And so as we think about this illustration here, Jesus is saying that all that come to him as a little child, that Jesus is referring to the characteristics that separate children from adults. Listen, I'm going to tell you, this week's going to be a great week. You know why? Because sometimes when you deal with adults, you have to deal with all the years of baggage. You have to deal with everything that's clouding the mind that is blocking the heart. But you know what? Children have an innocence about them. Uh, children are honest. Matter of fact, they are sometimes brutally honest. But children are fun to work with because they have not been affected by the world as much as an adult has. And so as Jesus is talking to his, his disciples here, he's answering their question. He's talking about this illustration about the characteristics of children. What are children's characteristics? You know what children are? They're trusting. Children will trust you. As a matter of fact, that's why many times children are preyed upon by wicked people because they're trusting. Another characteristic about children is children are humble. Jesus used the word humble yourself. God tells us to humble ourselves. Children are very humble. There's a humility about a child. And then watch this. Children are dependent. You know what happens when we become an adult? We become independent. Sometimes we use that word about our church. We're an independent Baptist church. Listen, that doesn't mean that we don't need God. That's not at all what that means. Matter of fact, when you search the Bible, here's what the Word of God teaches, that Christ is the head of the church. You see, in our lives, instead of being dependent on Christ, dependent on God as a child for everything that we need, we become independent. We don't need God. And so Jesus says, look, these are the characteristics, the requirements for any person that's going to come to me. So look, as we look at the invitation of Jesus, it gives us a word about responsibility. It gives us a word about re redemption. But notice the third word teaches uh, about Jesus himself, about the Redeemer. As you're watching Jesus, and a lot of times mentally, I like to kind of wrap my mind about uh, the, uh, maybe a passage that I'm reading in the Word of God, and I'm focusing as I'm studying for this on Jesus, how he's ministering to these children. I'm thinking about our teachers this week, and I'm thinking about those that will be speaking every night, and how we'll have an opportunity, even as parents in your home, to minister to your children. And listen, we see uh, here in this passage, we get a good glimpse of the Lord's personality as he deals with these children. And by the way, the way he dealt with them is the way that we too should deal with others. Notice, first of all, what we see about our Lord is we see his heart. Now, if you look in chapter 19 of Matthew, look in verse number 13. The Bible says, Then were there brought unto him 
little children that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. So again, we understand, as I mentioned earlier, why they were being brought to Jesus. Now, if you, this were in Matthew's gospel account, if you go over to Mark's account of this same passage, here's what you find. Mark says, uses these words, Jesus was much displeased. What that means is Jesus was very angry with his disciples for trying to prevent these children from coming to him. He was not happy at all that they did not want these children coming to him. And listen, the reason for his uh, displeasure was because children hold a special place in the Lord's heart. And so we find here in, in the Bible, God actually gives, the Lord gives a very harsh judgment for those who would abuse little children. Go back to Matthew 18 with me and look at what it says. We read the first five verses of Matthew 18, but look at this harsh judgment in, in Matthew 18, verse number six. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better, notice here, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. That's pretty harsh. Jesus gives this harsh uh, judgment here, this harsh criticism. You know why? Because Jesus always defends the defenseless. He always comes to the, the rescue of those that are, that are being abused. And this scene here reveals a lot about Jesus. And when I think about a child, guess what? Children cannot do things that adults would do. A child cannot serve him. Uh, a child cannot give maybe the way an older person or an adult would. Children really cannot do for the Lord maybe something that others would do, adults would do. But children hold a special place in the Lord's heart. God is not interested in what you and I can do, and he's not interested in what we can give, and he's not interested in how old we are. What he is interested in is the fact that he is inviting us to come to him. I shared this verse this morning, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and the Lord says, I will give you rest. Jesus loves sinners. He invites them to come to him. This week, in every one of our services, what do we give? We give an invitation. People say, that's old-fashioned. I say to you, that's Bible. The Word of God says in Revelation 22, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life, beautiful word here, freely. See, God is offering an invitation, and we need to see his heart, but notice we also see his hands. The Bible says in verse number 15 of our passage that he laid his hands on them. Now listen, as a kid growing up, there were times with my father and other people where certain people laid their hands on me, but it was not for a good reason. It was because of something that I did wrong, and they were laying their hands on me because I deserved it. But that's not at all what this is talking about. Matter of fact, remember, these children came so that the Lord could bless them, so that he could pray for them. When the Bible mentions he laid his hands on them, it literally is saying, I don't know how many children came, how many parents brought their children, but I really believe when you look at the wording and you look at the language, it means that he took the time 
to lay his hands and bless each and every child that came to him. It could have been a few. It could have been a crowd. It just shows us that you and I should take the time to, to help people, to be there for them. No, no matter how young these children were or how insignificant they appeared, Jesus cared about each and every one of them. He took the time. He touched them. Listen, this was the touch of God on their lives. And Can I tell you tonight that God loves you, that he will never turn you away, just like he will never turn a child away that comes to him, no matter where the path of life would take you, and no matter what has happened in your past, what you've done, or how insignificant you may feel in your life, Jesus will save you and he will change your life if ye will come to him. And so notice, Jesus cares. He cares about our condition. He cares about taking the time to touch our lives. But here's the condition, only if we would come to him. Would you bow your heads with me tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Tonight's message, as I mentioned earlier, it's about children. But really, it extends way beyond that. I look around here and I look at some of you adults and you know what I see? I see the little boy or little girl that's grown to be an adult. God loves everyone. The little song, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. Jesus loves you. And we have a responsibility to, to help children, to encourage them to come to Christ. Moms and dads, we're going to give an invitation. Maybe come tonight with your children. Not only tonight, but often at home, here at church. When I think about how much the Lord loved them, they are precious in His sight. He came to save the children. And so the message tonight is for all of us. We see a responsibility. We see redemption. And we see the Redeemer. How many of you tonight know that the Lord loves you? Would you raise your hand? Every hand tonight. You can put your hands down. How many of you know that God loves everyone and he wants everyone to be saved? Let's listen to the invitation of the Lord. Would you stand with me tonight as we stand as the piano begins to play? Brother Kenny leads us in a song. The altar's open tonight. The invitation is open for you tonight. Why don't you come? Bring your children. If you're here by yourself, why don't you come? Just find a spot. If nothing else, listen, why don't you come and pray for this week? Pray for Vacation Bible School. I'm praying this auditorium will be full with boys and girls. Not so we can say how many were here, but every boy, every, every parent, every adult that comes, they're going to hear about the Lord. Brother Kenny, you lead us in a song, would you?